want to give you guys a quick update on Bruce. Um, was able to bring Bruce home yesterday at about four o'clock. I did something. I think I'm good now. Um, so that's an awesome answer to prayer. Um, it's been a long month and a half. In the past two weeks, uh, me and Eric are trading off at the hospital. Has been uh, uh, it's been trying. I have a new appreciation for single parents. Um, and especially those that don't have the help of in-laws. So uh, um, if we know a single parent, they need help, guys. So just as another ministry need that we have as individuals we can reach for. But uh, physical therapy is going well. We don't have answers on why stuff is the way it is yet. We don't know if something's going to relapse. We don't know what the future holds. But but God is good in sustaining us and uh, providing for us and taking care of us and Bruce's attitude through all of this has just been awesome. So I uh, honestly wish mine was much like his through the most of life. So, so just very, very grateful. So let's pray. Lord, Father God, again, we, we come before you. We thank you again for today, just the continuation of this conference that you have uh, orchestrated and put together through the men's ministry. Uh, Lord, and just... Uh, that you would continue to use it to build into our lives, to build into us. And Lord, that we would, again, just yearn to be your disciples, Lord Lord Father, and yearn to follow you um, as you would have us. We just thank you and we love you. We just pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, as you guys can see by the title on the card, the, the title of this is The Disciple of Christ is Submissive to God. Um, now if you don't know anything about me, again, my name is Ben, um, and I have a very strong type A personality. So I either think that the men's ministry has uh, a sense of humor, or God does, that he's having me teach on submission. So um, you're going to have to bear with me, please. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yeah, good stuff. So I'd like to, um, I'm going to give you, a, I'd like to do, going to have an introduction is the first point. The second point is going to be God's great mercy. Um, and then the third point is going to be just some examples and applications of stuff that we can apply in today's world. Um, our verse comes from Romans 12.1. Uh, I do apologize. I did not look it up in the Pew Bible. Um, and I am going to be asking for some audience participation at different times as well. So, um, But Romans 12.1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Again, the purpose of the whole, putting all this together, the first, the, my first purpose is I want this to be encouraging. We hear the word submission, we're like, oh my goodness, you know, because the last thing that we want to do, especially as guys, is submit, is to give in, is to, is to let somebody rule or lord over us, is to, is to say, okay, I'm going to bend what I want and what I think and what, whatever I, you know, my being is to somebody or something else. Um, so, so again, the, the purpose of this is not to try and be condemning. I'm going to try and make this as encouraging as I possibly can. Secondly, I'm going to try and cause you guys to think differently. Um, and that will become more apparent as, as it, it moves on. Also, um, this should be simple. Submitting to God should be simple. Why? Because God said so. End of story. I should be able to close my Bible. We should walk out of here and that should be it. It should be that simple. Um, but this is also extremely complex. 
we spend our entire lives on this. This is a massive part of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit within us. Um, so I wish it was that simple. Submit to God, because he said so. End of story. I mean, that would be awesome if, if, if we honestly did it that way, but we need a lot more help than that. Um, again, we'll, we'll be spending our entire lives on it. Again, as long as we're sucking wind, God's going to be working through us. God's going to be continually molding us and shaping us and teaching us and training us to become more like Christ. What does it mean to submit? Anybody, what does it mean to submit? What is submission? This is that audience participation I was alluding to. <laughs> Do as someone says. What else I got? What else is submission? Place ourselves under something. Okay. So the dictionary has a couple, gives us a couple differences. To accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another. The other is to subject oneself to. Um, I told some people I was going to pick on them. Bob, I'd like you to stand up and I'd like you to switch places with Brian. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I was going to do everybody. I'm like, no, it's way too complicated. So, no, just 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 change places, sit down. Yep, perfect. So. So, so now, what could you guys have said? Ben, what do you mean? We're, we're, we're both kind of retired. What are you having to stand up for? We both just slaved in the kitchen this morning. We've already put this lot away. Why are we having us move? Well, again, in a setting like this, normally we see there are people that are sitting, and they're normally subjecting themselves to who's, who's ever standing up front, whether it's a classroom or someone's giving a talk or, in case, Joe's standing up front giving a sermon. That's just kind of a setting that we see. And, by the way, I thank you guys for subjecting yourselves to me and my example. So I appreciate that. So again, sometimes it's just that simple. It's just that easy. Um, but other times we make it a lot more complicated than it is. Um, going into our verse here, um, I'm not going to be dealing with the entirety of the verse. You know, it says, obviously, it says we need to, uh, in view of God's mercy, offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. So I do want to cover that when we submit, we are worshiping. Okay. I'm not focusing on that, but I want to make sure that I cover that. Okay. The, the, the main thing that we're going to be focusing on to start with is, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Well, again, we have that word, therefore. So anytime we have that, we have to find out for the cliche what the therefore is there for. Why does it exist? Well, it exists because of Romans 1 through 11. Now, if Zach was going to give me four or five days, we might be able to get through that, but he's not going to. So, um, so we're not going to go through the entirety of Romans 1 through 11, but we are going to do a quick walkthrough. Um, now, who here knows what a sword drill is? Anybody knows a sword drill? Well, we're guys and we like competition, so we're going to do some sword drills here. So everyone get out your Bible if you don't know what a sword drill is. And you may use the digital version or you may use the actual paper Bible version. Okay? And also, if you know the verse, you may just stand up and recite it. So I'm going to have a series of verses. We're going to walk through them real quick to explain God's great mercy um, and uh, kind of get you guys awake and involved this morning. So again, if you know the verse... You may just stand up and say it. If you can find it digitally or flipping through the pages, that's, that's great as well. So this is a little bit of a competition for those that want to compete. So again, Romans 3.23. Stand up. 
Go stand up. And what's the, what's the verse? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. King. Romans 6.23. Okay, you're standing again. Go for it. Nice, nice and loud. Okay, perfect. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I know you guys feel silly like you're in Awana, but that's okay. Um, but anyway, so, so we know that all have sinned, all being everybody, okay? And we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What's a gift, guys? Okay, it's a gift. It's something that you can't earn. It's free, so on and so forth. When does a gift become yours? Here we are. The Christmas season's coming upon us, right? So, so there's a nice present. It's all wrapped beautifully. has a nice bow. Um, my wife wrapped it, so the wrapping paper looks a lot prettier than if I did it, you know. And it's got your name on it. When does that gift actually become yours? When you receive it, after you open it. That's when it becomes yours. If I just let it sit there, that gift is still there. It still has your name on it. But does it do you any good? No, it doesn't. Not until you receive it. So again, the gift of God is eternal life. Okay, Romans 5.8. God demonstrates His love towards us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Again, we don't have to clean ourselves up to be saved. God does that. Again, Joe went over that in, uh, yesterday. Wanted to make sure that, again, recap that. Romans 10.9 and 10. Exactly. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from your de- you're the dead, you will be saved. For it is your mouth that you confess and are justified, and it is your heart that you believe and are saved. Again, just walking through, we need to believe, we need to confess. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Anybody? Exactly. For it is by grace you have been saved, guys. Okay, and again, it's not from us, but it's from God. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, God is going to forgive us. And that brings us all the way back. To Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So again, we have a picture of what God's mercy is. And because of God's mercy, what we are supposed to do. Now, um, I want to expand on that view of God's mercy a little more. Um, not that I'm going to give you a Louis Giglio all-wow God moment, but I'm going to attempt so, um, I'd like my lovely assistant, Mr. Scott Orn, to come up here and join me. So, uh, well, you picked on me yesterday, so I'll pick on you today. But anyways, um, so he's going to be helping me with this example. Now, we have sin, right? And one of the things he had mentioned yesterday when he talked about when he got saved is a weight was lifted. Would we all agree that sin has some sort of weight? It is, you know, not, not that we can necessarily try and quantify it, even though I'm going to attempt to do that. It, not that, you know, there's going to be, there's some sort of, of, of heaviness to it. Okay, now obviously we look at sin, you know, we'll just take our society. You know, if someone lies to their parents, they might be sent to their room. Obviously, if someone drives their car through a convenience store, they're going to be sent to prison. So we kind of 
quantify sins at different level in our society. God doesn't. All sin is the same. And so to quantify sin, I have chosen to use a brick. Okay? So this is going to represent sin. Okay, now, Mr. Scott Orn's waking up, gets up, looks out his front window, sees across the road his daughter and son-in-law's house, and there's still a spider web draped between two trees from Halloween. That dang boy can't bother to get that dumb thing taken. It's after Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness, is he going to maintain that house? You know, and he starts getting up and checking his, his fantasy sports team for the day and, and uh, you know, just getting going in the morning. And, and it's just, you know, that good-for-nothing coach of that team I cheer for, why in the world he can't play the guy that should be playing, so on and so forth. They should just fire him and they should just get rid of that guy. You know, he's getting ready to leave the house, you know. Man, where is that wife of mine? Why is she not out here in the car? What's going on? I mean, come on, seriously, right? And this is all before he went out the door to go to church. And this is just his thought life. This isn't even actions. I mean, sin just rolls off. Anybody anybody can relate with this besides just me? I mean, I definitely, it just rolls off. Well, we're going to pretend that Scott sins three times a day, and only three times a day, so you're done. No more sinning today, sir. Um, so, so Scott's going to sin three times a day. Um, well, if Scott sinned three times a day today and tomorrow, where, where would you, you're running out of hands here, sir. We'll put them back down just for a second. <laughs> those, Isn't sin complicated? Grab those top three and put them inside. There we go. So, so and, then, and then he's got, you know, the next day, and then he's got day four, right? Is he carrying a weight? Is his actions have consequences? Is he carrying a weight? Absolutely he is. Okay. Hey, Scott, I'd like to go fish. Oh, wait, you can't really go fishing. You're kind of laden down, aren't you? I'm, all right, I'll think of something. Hey, Scott, I was going to... No, you can't really help me around the house either because you're, you, you know, the, the choices and actions that we make hinder us. That's why Scripture talks about us just to get rid of the sin and all the things that easily entangle. So, thank you, sir. I appreciate your help with that. You're welcome. So, so again, just with this visual of sin, again, so now, if going back to the example that's, that, that if we sin three times a day and we live an average of 70 years, that's over 76,000 sins per person. And that's if we only sin three times a day. And Scott's saved. Now... To, to make these numbers even bigger, how many sins has Christ actually died for? I mean, often we think, when we think, oh, Christ saved me, it's so focused on me because I am free. God has saved me. But yet, we forget about the rest of the world. Okay, so currently on the earth, there's about 7.7 billion people. And so we'll just take that 70-year window. And then we're going to back up to the time that Christ was alive. And by math geniuses and population people, much more expert than I, they figured there was about 300 people on earth about the time of Christ. Okay, so that makes about 8 billion people. And then these same lovely geniuses figure at the time of the flood, again, because people lived a lot longer back then, they could have babies longer and such, there was about 9 billion people alive. So we're just taking three 70-year chunks out of the entirety of creation, okay? That's um, 17, yeah, 17 
billion people. Okay? Now, if those 17 billion people lived an average of 70 years, now remember, Methuselah was 969 years old. Okay? So this average actually does come close to working out. That's one quadrillion, 293 trillion cents. That's 1.292 and another 12 zeros after that. That's a lot of people. If we took that and weighed that out in four-pound bricks, that's 2.5 trillion tons. That's a lot of weight. And that's only if people sin three times a day. And that's only taking three 70-year chunks of time in all of time. And that doesn't include, like my wife is expecting, and we have an unborn child, and Christ has died for the sins of that child as well. Some estimates are as high as they feel that there has been a total of 110 billion people that have ever existed on earth. Now, I don't know if I'm quite on that end of the spectrum, but again, that is a lot of sin that was placed on Christ when he died. The sheer massive weight of that that was placed on Christ we have just scratched the surface of the weight that was placed on Christ. I am not sure this side of heaven we can fully comprehend the entirety of what Christ actually did on the cross. How great is the mercy of God? That's not a question, that's a statement. How great is the mercy of God? Through that. So again, going back to our, our verse... Therefore, in view of God's mercy, again, how great is the mercy of God. In view of God's mercy, what God has done with Christ through us, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Again, a sacrifice was normally in the Old Testament, they'd take a bull, they'd take a ram, they'd slaughter it, they'd put it on it, the priest would burn it, so on and so forth. That's what a sacrifice is. It's giving of yourself. It's submitting. Um, this is, what, this is what Christ has died for. He's died for us to pay for our sins and the sins of the whole world. Whether or not they have actually chosen to accept that free gift. Again, we covered it's not yours until you receive it. It doesn't do you any good to receive it. That gift is still there for everybody because that's what Christ died for. So again, we're through introduction. We're through how great is God's mercy. But now again, I want to. This is where I'm going to cause you to change, try and get you to change your thinking a little bit. Anytime we read in our scriptures, we read about submission, we read about instruction. God wants to do us. I want you to now read it from now on forward. In view of God's mercy, I should be doing this. In view of God's mercy, God says this is going to be helpful to me. In view of God's mercy. This is how Christ would like me to act. And again, this is not to earn our own righteousness. Christ has already paid for that. This is to living for God. Again, offering our bodies as a spiritual, uh, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. Um, I'm going to give um, some scripture references as some people would look, look them up, hold their fingers there. Uh, so as we, as we rifle through them, we can, we can go over them. Uh, some of these we're going to go over in great detail, some not so much. Um, uh, Hebrews, uh, excuse me, First Peter 2. Okay, and I'm just going to be looking for a title in that one, just so you know. Uh, Hebrews 13, uh, 17. Okay, thank you, Pat. Uh, Ephesians 5, 21. Okay, thank you, Clayton. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. 
Brian, thank you, sir. Um, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Okay, thank you, Earl. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10. Thank you, Scott. Okay, and then the last verse we're going to have is Revelation 22.12. Okay, thank you, Bob. All right, so I'll kind of let everyone get to where they're, where they're supposed to be, and then we're going to kind of begin to, to, to rifle through these so I almost stay within my time allotment here. Okay, and then again, just this one, we're just looking for a, we're just kind of looking for a, a title here off of this one because it's quite a lengthy, compact section. So, First Peter, First uh, uh, Peter two. What's the title of that section, sir? Living stone and children. Okay, and then if we keep on going down, the next title is. Submission to rulers, and again, so when, when Peter's writing this, he's doing all this building up, and then he's getting to submissions and rulers, and he's talking about people over us, and he goes over both government, and he goes over even our jobs, slaves and masters, okay? We just had an election, did we not? Some people won, some people lost, some people are happy, some people are sad. How hard is it to submit to government sometimes? Really hard, because we disagree with stuff. But in view of God's great mercy, is the government asking me to do something that's unscriptural or ungodly? Well, that's a totally different story. But if they're not, despite what I think about it, you know, is this, does this go against Scripture? Well, no. God has put that government there. God has, you know, God, again, in First Peter, he's telling us that we need to submit to the authority that's over us. Again, you know, and again, just trying to think about some of the stuff. Uh, traffic laws. Do we really come to a stop at the stop sign? Do we always use our turn signals? You know, all these just little, tiny little piddly stuff. You know, but yet, in view of God's mercy, we need to honor and submit to those that are in authority over us. Um, I'm in the process of working on my garage and trying to upgrade the electrical work, and Earl's been of great help with that. He's given me some direction. We need to talk to this guy, that guy. And one of the things I had to do was pull an electrical permit. Well, no one will know. It's inside your garage. No, no, no. I'm supposed to pull a permit to do this work because that's what the governings and the ordinances of the state and the towns and the counties and stuff want us to do. We have examples of, of, especially of Daniel and Joseph, two amazingly godly men that served in beyond corrupt human societies. And they did what they were supposed to, and yet they honored God. We are called to do the same thing here. We are to, again, submit to the authorities and the governments that are over us. You know, think about the persecuted church today. I mean, people in countries where it is illegal to worship Christ. Obviously, we're not going to submit in that nature because God's authority is over the government's authority. But we don't have that really here in America, do we? I mean, do we really know what persecution is? You know, we just, oh, I'm not going to submit to that government idea. That's just the dumbest thing in the world because of, man, um, I found myself in that boat, and it's caught me. Um, But we need to, again, in view of God's mercy... That's an area we need to submit. And I'm going to take this to another extreme example. Me and my father-in-law have a lot of conversations and bounce stuff off each other. Let's pretend they get rid of the Second Amendment. It's gone. Poof. Done with. And the government says, just like Australia, we're collecting all your guns. And again, we're not looking to throw a revolution to overthrow the government. We're going to continue to live in the same country we have. We're not looking to change the government regime. As Christians, as Minnesotan Christians, by the way, as deer hunter Minnesotan Christians, what do we do? Do we hide them? Do we keep them? 
the loss is turn your guns in. What do we do? I'll leave it up to you guys to wrestle with that, with that question, question. Obviously, that's not something we're actually faced with, but just something to think about. At what level do we want to take over our own humanness and want to compromise what God tells us to do? At what level do we want to ignore God's great mercy and what He has done for us? And He's told us, in view of my great mercy, live for me. Um, church dynamics. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Grateful, thank you. Mr. Knoll, this year you and Amy have uh, been the new leaders of Awana, is that correct? Wonderful. How's that going? I, w- I would agree with you. I've heard lots of wonderful things about the Awana program. How would it work if here you guys, through, through you know, God's hand, put you in leadership, right? And your helpers aren't doing the way you want to orchestrate things to try and accomplish what Awana is here to accomplish. How would that work? It would be beyond chaos. It would be extremely difficult, wouldn't it? But, but, but when they trust you because God has placed you guys there to do that, okay? Not that they can't talk to you, because I'm sure you get ideas and opinions and people talking to you and stuff, you know, because I know my wife served in that position and, you know, and, and she bounced stuff off me as well. Is, but it's amazing how beautiful that God has set that up that when those who help with Awana submit to their leadership, how beautiful that works and how kids are witnessed to, and then they can take the gospel home and share it with their families and their friends. And, and just amazing how things work. Okay? And again, I mean, and obviously that can be expanded to so many other different realms, but again, just we have a limited time. But again, when, when we do what God's Word says and we submit in view of God's mercy, okay, it's amazing how that works out. Ephesians 5.21. Christians, in view of God's great mercy, we are called to submit to one another. I can't tell you the number of times me and Scott will be sitting down and we'll have a conversation and we'll be on the opposite sides of a discussion. Spiritual, non-spiritual, we're just opposite sides of discussion. You know, he's an NFC guy, I'm an AFC guy, you know, things like that. It could be as trivial as that. But, you know, oftentimes, you know, through our conversation and stuff, at one point, we do need to come to some sort of an understanding. We do need to come to, of there's got to be a form of submission there somewhere, because if it doesn't, we're just going to be at odds with each other all the entire time, and nothing's never going to happen, nothing's ever going to get done. It's going to just be strife and turmoil and chaos. Well, is that going to work really well for a father-in-law and a son-in-law's relationship? Probably not. And obviously, there are so many other examples that we can put into that scenario, but again, we're, we're submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Um, Putting others before us, taking, again, what we think, our opinion, our whatever, and subjecting ourselves to other Christians that are around us. Matthew five thirty-eight and 42.
Thank you, Mr. Bryan. Our enemies, how often do we encounter someone who wrongs us, who's not on our side? And the first thing that we want to do is wrong them back. The first thing that we want to do is get even. The first thing that we want to do is make sure that justice is served. Yet Christ says that's not the way we are supposed to act. I know I have found myself in that boat way more times than I care to admit. Romans 12, 17 through, 20, uh, through, uh, excuse me, through, 20, uh, through 21 uh, says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome ev- uh, do, not o- do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In view of God's great mercy, God wants us to submit to our enemies. When's the last time someone wronged us, you know, and we turned the other cheek, or we walked the extra mile with them, or if they took our something, we gave them something else? That type of analogy, you know. Um, and then lastly, um, obviously submitting to God. Uh, and there's a few different examples here. First uh, Corinthians 1, 16, 1 through 4. Thank you, sir. So now, Joe, Joe preached on this um, some time ago, so I'm not going to go into a great deal. But basically, it says, God says we're required to give. Our motivation should be, in view of God's great mercy, we should be giving. Often, we have other motivations, like, for instance, well, I get a tax break, that's why I give. Well, I found out this year, with the new tax law put into place, the standard deduction for married couples is $24,000. So unless you and your couple are giving more than $24,000 in tax-deductible gifts, you don't gain any more benefit, just the way they understand this, the current tax law. Our motivation should not be a tax write-off. Our motivation should not be because someone else can look at us. Our motivation should be because in view of God's great mercy, we should give. 1 Peter 4.10 Okay, so this is my another visual example. I have three different vessels here. I have a milk crate, I have a Walmart plastic bag, and I have my coffee cup. These are all vessels, and we're gonna, we're gonna, for a moment here, we're going to pretend that I'm awesome. We're going to pretend that I made all three of these. I designed them, I sculpted them, I crafted the metal and the plastic and the printing and, all the, and, all, and just, just everything that went into it. We're going to pretend that I made these. Do these all have different purposes in the way I made them? Okay, what happens if I tried to put hot liquid in this milk crate? What's going to happen? It's 
going to run right through, okay? And, and, and what happens if I try and take something that's really sharp and pokey and put it in this plastic bag? It's going to rip right through. And what happens if I try and take one of those bricks I have over here and try and put it in this coffee cup? It's not going to fit exactly, okay? God has given us all different stuff, and according to what he's given us, that's what he wants us to use it. How foolish would it be for that milk crate to say, hey, that coffee cup, it holds hot liquids. I can't hold hot liquids and start griping about it. How foolish is that? Just there's this inanimate object griping about another inanimate object. Or here's this plastic bag that I could use to keep something dry, okay, that'll fold and form and fit around whatever it is, and for it to be griping, you know, well, I can't hold that, you know, sharp brick because it'll rip right through me where this milk crate can hold that sharp brick. I mean, how foolish is that for this plastic bag to gripe and whine that it can't do what the brick does, or what the, what the milk crate does? And even more foolish, how would it be for any one of these objects to gripe to me, their creator, that I'm not using them in the way they feel they should be used? And as far as I am above these objects, God is infinitely above us. It's God that chooses to give out the gifts. It is God that chooses to, to, to hand out what's his um, to those around us. Now I'm going to try and get through this without crying, so please bear with me. Um, going through all this loveliness with our son, um, we received an, uh, we've received some financial support from different people, and some have come with names attached, some have come anonymous. And this one, it was one of the anonymous ones, and there's a little note that was put in here, and I'm going to read it to you. What we have been given really belongs to the Lord, so please enjoy this gift from Him. We love you guys and pray that you will know God's perfect faithfulness and provision in every way, today and always. And at the bottom, they put Matthews 25, uh, 6.25-34, which is the scripture of Sermon on the Mount where Christ says, Do not worry. And at the end of it, He says, Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Again, the note that was given to us was in such a way, putting God first in view of God's mercy, live for God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I can't tell you how much this means to me and my wife. Just not, not, not the gift that came with it. And gifts, the gifts are wonderful and we're very, very appreciative but to sit and to read that, that, that God is going to continually take care of us, continue to provide for us, continue to be there for us, you know, and, and just, it just, it's unbelievable at the timing of that and when it comes in. It's just, just totally, totally awesome. So again, even as I was been putting this together over the past um, uh, couple months, to get that in the middle of all this is just, I, it, it's just been, it was wonderful for my wife and I. The other thing is we say, well, Ben, you've just talked about doing stuff for God's great mercy. Well, that should be enough motivation. It really should. In view of God's great mercy, what God has actually done for us. But I want to give you another bit of information, and I'm not going to go really deep into this. We're going to let Joe tackle this at some point later. Sorry, Joe. Okay, Revelation 22:12.
Okay, this is Christ talking in Revelation about his second coming. So Christ, he says, he's coming back and he has rewards and he's bringing them with him. And these rewards are going to be in according with what we have done. Now, I don't think we can honestly wrap our minds about what the heavenly rewards are, nor do we know what they are. Um, but we do know there is some correlation between what we do and what we get. And again, I'm not going to begin to understand that. I'm not going to go into that. But again, in view of God's great mercy, we need to live for Christ. And again, with Christ over here talking about when he's coming back, he's going to reward according with what we've done. Now again, there's a whole lot more to there to unpack. I'm going to leave that to Joe. Sorry to put you on the spot there some year, sir. Um, but again, we shouldn't need rewards. In view of God's great mercy, we have salvation. That, that should be enough. Lastly, it says, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Do you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? It can crawl off the altar. This is a daily thing, guys. In view of God's mercy, we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We need to do this daily and sometimes moment by moment. Submission is hard. It's, it's immensely hard. I find it very, very difficult. I know with just, just everyday life, and I'm sure we all have our own struggles with it. But again, in view of God's mercy, the amazingness of God sending his own son to die for us, to die for our sins, that we might have salvation, that we might have eternal life, in view of that, live for God. Let's pray. Lord, Father God, again, we, we come before you. Uh, Lord, even now, often as we think about submission in our own lives, and I know me personally, is, it's still difficult. But Lord, that you would help each one of us that as we think about times when we are called to submit, that we would view it as in view of your mercy, we would live for you. In view of your mercy, we would live in a manner that would be honoring and pleasing to you and that we would submit where we're called to. Just pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.